Hey guys, this is Trev. Thanks for downloading episode 14 of Inside Acting. Just a quick um, note before we roll into this one. Uh, Albert and I sat down with casting director Bonnie Gillespie for this episode for a two-part interview. The first part of the interview, which you'll hear in this episode, was really kind of geared towards her experience, how she got into casting, and some insight she's gleaned along the way that might be helpful to actors. And the second part of the interview was really geared towards questions that you guys had submitted through Facebook and Twitter and uh, um, our website and, and voicemail and things like that. In the editing process, unfortunately, part two of the interview got lost. Albert and I ran into some technical difficulties, and that part of the interview is gone, unfortunately, and is not coming back. The good news is we told Bonnie about it, and she's more than willing to sit down with us again at a later date to do that second part of the interview again. So while in this episode we do allude to a part two of this interview... It's not coming next week. It's coming just at a later date that's kind of still to be determined. So enjoy this first part of the interview. Part two is coming somewhere down the line. And next week, be sure to tune in for a really great two-part interview with actor Neil McDonough. Without further ado, enjoy episode 14, guys. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Inside Acting. To find out more and make a donation, visit InsideActingPodcast.com. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Inside Acting. My name is Trevor Elgott. And I'm Albert Meyer. And on this podcast, we interview actors, directors, filmmakers, writers, producers, agents, managers, casting directors, anybody involved with the entertainment industry, and we bring those interviews to you. And, uh, of course, we want to keep this as open a dialogue as possible, and to do so, we've uh, enlisted your help by putting out this survey... And based on the results of that survey, we're trying something a little different this week. Um, we're going to be releasing episode 14 and episode 15 as a, a two-part interview of the same interview. That yeah, makes yeah. we're going to yeah. split it up, basically chop it in half and do uh, half the interview in this episode and then half the interview in episode 15. Yes. Uh, because people seem to dig shorter episodes. So if you like it, if you don't like it, get in touch with us. We have a million ways to do it. Uh, I guess the best way to... To introduce people that aren't familiar with that is just to go to the website, yeah. InsideActingPodcast.com. InsideActingPodcast.com, yeah. And, uh, you know, Trevor and I have had a lot of interesting discussions between each other and with our friends and, um, you know, people who have been produ- producing podcasts for a really long time. And uh, w- we have we, we don't have the magic bullet. We, we, we just are trying to make sure that, uh, you know, we're breaking down any of the psychological barriers that are between um, our podcast and our listeners. And so one of those may be the length of the episode. So we're trying shorter episodes that come out more frequently. Um, so hopefully you guys dig that. If not, you know how to get a hold of us. Um, you know, uh, we've heard, uh, you know, the, the gamut from, you know, oh, your episode should be seven minutes long to, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter how long they are. Um, <clears throat> I think my roommate came up with a pretty hilarious analogy where he said, you know, if you... Um, take your podcast and break them down into smaller sections. It's kind of like cutting up the hot dog for your kid. Right. You know? right. Yeah. I love that <laughs> analogy. But at the same time, and like there's a couple of podcasts that I subscribe to and every once in a while I'll, I'll see one that's like an hour and 15 minutes and I'll be like, dude, I, I so don't want to listen to that right now. You know, yeah. it, it, it's like only partially finishing an episode can be a little bit stressful for certain people. Yeah. Like but me. you can also, you know, that's why iTunes yeah. 
has a pause, pause, button. pause, pause button. <laughs> so, so yeah. we don't know, but uh, here it is. We're trying something new, and uh, hopefully, you guys dig it. Um, we yeah. still want to get the most amount of content into these episodes as possible, yeah. um, and so to do that, let's just jump right in. Yeah. Um, I got a couple of shout-outs, and then I want to talk about what's been going on in our lives, because this is the first time in, what, four weeks? At least four weeks that we've <clears> sat <throat> down and actually been face-to-face with right. the podcast. exactly, because yeah. in the previous couple of episodes, we actually recorded in the respective interviewees office space yeah, yeah um and then last week we took a week off uh, mm-hmm. just because things were so crazy for us but um just a couple of shout outs um, i want to give a shout out to Lindsay mcdowell and michael cassidy both of whom got in touch with us via email um yeah. do you have any shout outs um week? well we have sierra ryan we we totally butchered her name yep we butchered her name i told her we yeah. fixed it on this one yeah we were yeah. calling her sierra rain and she was like no you don't have to correct it on the podcast but yeah now yeah. we're just embarrassing her so <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for listening everybody and uh we really appreciate it. And we got a couple emails, actually, um, that we're going to get to in just a minute. Yeah, definitely. We have well. some uh, some listener questions. Um, all voicemail slash MP3s, right? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. No no text and, questions this week. So which is great. We like that. Very that way cool. we can help you uh, get your voice in the podcast. We've so. got a bunch sort of stored up because we haven't um, recorded an episode this way in a long time. So if you submitted a question a while back, it will probably be in either this episode or the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's been going on with you, Trev? Uh, well, um, gosh, last time we actually were like face to face, it was at David Lawrence's. So, uh, Jane Doe closed. Mm-hmm. We had a really good closing for that or great closing night. I've, I've, I think I've never held for laughs on stage as long as I had to that night. Really? You know that moment when the snow starts falling and, and Sarah and I were kind of rubbing noses on the yeah. stage? The, the, dude, the audience went crazy for that. It, it had to have been at least a minute of holding for laughs and cheering and like cheering and stuff, you know? So it was a really good feeling. That's amazing. Um, so that closed, that went really well. And then, uh, I had a week off and then I went right into uh, rehearsals for this new show that show, that opens next week. Yeah. Opens tell on us Thursday. about that one. It's called Chico's angels. You can find out more about it at Chico's angels.com. It is unlike <laughs> anything I've ever done before. It is less of a play and more of just like a, a cabaret uh, song and dance to entertain drunk people. <laughs> but it's really, really funny, and it has a massive following um, throughout the city and throughout the industry, like a massive following. On tomorrow, I, I was telling you tomorrow morning we're going to be on KTLA. I have a 4.30 call time to be on the new... Uh, a good, not, it's not a good deal. One of those shows, but it's... Um, we're going to be on there doing a skit but uh, to kind of publicize it. But mm-hmm. um, the gist of the show is it's a it's a... It's a parody of Charlie's Angels, but the angels are played by three gay Latin guys in drag. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just like... And these guys are hilarious. Not only are they actually... Actually, they're very good actors, because I've, I've gotten to know them now personally, and they're nothing like... The, these these like over the top characters obviously but i mean <laughs> it's it's just clear to me like how how much fun they're having you know Good. um but it's 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 a ton it's a ton of fun dude and people are encouraged to bring their drinks from upstairs downstairs to the theater uh and just get sloshed and laugh at the dick jokes and stuff <laughs> which is what it is but it's hilarious so um uh yeah you can find out more at chicosangels.com i'm having a lot of fun doing it and we open on thursday and run for six weeks and it, it pays it's a it's a it's a paying gig and it pays well 
Nice. Uh, you know, relatively speaking. So nice. I'm nice. very, very excited to That's be, amazing. be part of it. Yeah. So I have to buy tickets to go see Trevor do dick jokes. Is that <laughs> basically? Yeah. My character is, uh, I play a janitor and, uh, you, I'm kind of set up as the bad guy and, um, <clears throat> but I'm also set up as like the love interest of the angels as well. So I walk around like just posing and posturing and speaking with like a really deep voice the whole time. <laughs> and it, like in the first scene that I'm in, they take off my shirt. So I'm like oh, topless God. the whole time and like, just like posing and like really into myself. And it's a little weird to be, that's to be amazing. running around topless with three guys in drag. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this is LA baby and you only live once and it's a lot of fun. It's very oh, funny. That's so. amazing. Well, yeah. you know, I'm reminded of, um, something that I once heard LL Cool J say, he said, um, I, I, I like to be ready so I don't have to get ready. And he was speaking about his physical appearance specifically. Yeah. Yeah. So like Trevor is definitely ready. Uh, been a competitive <laughs> swimmer for a long time and you know, uh, I don't feel I would not want to take my shirt off on, uh, on, uh, a cable news. Yeah. It's, it's a little, morning. it's a little weird. Uh, I'm a little apprehensive about it, but, um, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. That's great. How about you, man? I mean, you're, you're, uh, starting to wrap up your show. Right? Um, well the show, uh, it looks like it's going to get extended, um, until April 18th. Um, but dang, they, that's when my show closes finally. Oh dang. Jeez. I'm not going to see it. Um, and then there's a chance it might even extend longer than that. Um, but they finally found a cover for me, which is great. Just in case something happens, I get cast in something. Or oh, so you have you. So an understudy. I have an understudy. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, which is great. Um, uh, what else? Oh, there's two things I want to talk about. One that has to do with the show and one that, um, is sort of, uh, doesn't. Um, uh, the one thing is, uh, there, for some reason, there's been a lot of casting directors coming to see this show, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to kind of talk about this on the podcast because it reminded me of like those discussions that we were having before about like, why have a manager, why not have a manager and that kind of thing. Yeah. One thing that I've been very <clears throat> fortunate about, uh, fortunate about in terms of having a manager is that when these casting directors come to the sh- see the show, I email her and she usually knows them. I mean, cause she's, she's been in the business for a long time. She knows these people by name. They know her by name. And so I say, I send her an email and I say, Hey, you know, uh, uh, Nan Dutton was in the audience last night. Yeah. Yeah. Nan Dutton cast CSI Miami. You just went in for CSI Miami. Yeah. 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 So I, so I, she, so I'll send her an email and she'll make a phone call and she'll say, what did you think? That's amazing. To these casting directors, yeah. which is just really, really cool because it's like they get to have a conversation. She gets to filter what I should and shouldn't, you know, what, what, what's like a need to know basis, you know, right. and also kind of <laughs> right. talk me up to these casting directors. And, um, less than a week later, I went in for a, a, an audition for CSI Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so far, no booking, but but you were you were telling me that that's kind of in your manager's eyes. That's a good thing. Oh uh, well, yeah, she because the it, it was a co-star role, and she really wanted yeah. Nan to call me in for a guest star. Because once role. you book a co-star role, that you they can't use I you think, again. Yeah, exactly, on that show. exactly, exactly. So it's so, almost like pick your pick your pick your battles or pick your, your, your um, reward. I don't know your reward for her yeah. coming to see the show. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you don't want to sort of um, waste quote unquote uh, the opportunity. Um, on like a co-star role, I guess yeah, is the yeah. idea, you know, but of course I, if I would have booked it, I would have of course done it. It's not like I'm going to turn it down. Right. That would have been awesome being yeah. uh, CSI yeah. Miami. Um, <clears throat> and then the other thing is, um, that I, uh, 
if some of you follow us on on Twitter, you've seen me talking about this, but I, I signed with a new commercial agent, yeah. um, which I don't think I've talked about on the podcast. You haven't, because, no. Um, it happened um, in between um, when we weren't recording. So uh, I signed with uh, TGMD, uh, which is uh, their Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What? No, 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 not TMT, <laughs> not TMNT, <laughs> TGMD, uh, and they are great. They're great. I've already gone out a couple of times, and uh, that's good. Things are going. Things are going good. So good. Yeah, good stuff. Awesome. Good stuff Does this mean that you are no longer with your old agency? That is correct. Cool. Uh, and that's a story that I won't talk about on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know we've talked about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. So uh, hopefully, you guys now hear. Um, we've been kind of busy, and that's why we haven't been able to get these out every Monday. But we're working on it. We're actually planning on doing the second part of this episode, uh, or rather, episode fifteen. Yes. second part of the interview uh, on Thursday. So we'll have episodes every Monday and Thursday and we're working on getting more consistent with that. Definitely. Um, so we have a few listener questions. Yeah, definitely. Let's uh, go ahead and uh, jump right in. This one is from uh, listener uh, Beth and um, audio quality is not the greatest, but hopefully you'll be able to, you guys will be able to hear this. Cool. Hey guys, uh, this is Beth Brunner calling from Los Angeles, California. First off, thanks for the podcast. Uh, I tried my best good question yeah we've been getting questions similar to this a, a lot recently i, I feel we, like we've been getting a lot of <laughs> listeners a few of our emails that we've gotten have been from people like like more and more recently have been from people who aren't necessarily actors yeah. like uh there was a guy who sent us an email i forget his name off the top of my head but just a couple of days ago who's a, a musician uh, he, he does some acting uh, but like that was the shout out that i get michael cassidy oh yeah yeah that's yeah, it yeah. okay yeah um yeah it, it is it is i mean I'm, I'm glad that we can be a resource for for artists in general because that was kind of our goal from the beginning yeah it was kind of the premise. I, just, I think it's interesting that uh we've been getting a lot of um these types of questions of people who were like i'm interested in acting i want to do acting but maybe not feel like what beth said feel the pressure of the industry yeah um and some of the solutions that we've you know talked about in the podcast before have been theaters i mean there's a ton of theater in los angeles uh, um uh, small theater companies, uh, medium-sized theater companies that you can get involved with really easily. Just get out there, volunteer for them, um, audition for them, and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. you know, it's a great way in. Um, and then you have talked extensively about just creating your own work, whether yeah. it be a web series or just you know getting a bunch of friends together to put something on tape just for fun. Uh-huh. You know, if you if you if you're a writer, or if you have a friend who's a writer, you know, um, doing that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, what what kind of other things? Because you you do. I feel like you do this kind of stuff all the time. Sort of more independent things. I'm just a huge fan of. of I mean, I'm just a huge fan of creating your own work. I mean, you and I both worked um, at Apple for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's like the technology is not difficult to learn. It's really not. Mm-hmm. And the, the having programs like iMovie <clears throat> on your computer and GarageBand on your computer, you have a production studio. <laughs> if you have a Mac, I'm sorry, we're biased. But if you have a Mac, <laughs> you have a production studio in your hands yeah. right there. And you can make something that looks and sounds great. There's so many ways of, of, of getting out there and acting and doing your craft or, or just having fun without having to actually, you know, go out and like get an agent, get a manager, do all the workshops and send out postcards and all that. I mean, if you get an, if you, if the reward for you is just being able to act more power to you, that is amazing. Cause I think that's rare. Most people just, the, the goal is being recognizable, you know, on television or a film and stuff. But it's like, if if you can just get satisfaction out of just doing your own stuff and being in the play. I had this exact conversation with a, with an ex-girlfriend who was like, you know, uh, we, I was like, you know, I think I would be happy just working retail and doing free 99 seat theater in the evening. I think that would make me happy, you know, for a long time. That's not what I want to do. You know, I have, I have more aspirations and goals in my, in life, but as far as personal satisfaction, you know, I think that would be, yeah, I think it would be enough for me. Yeah. You know, so we have a question from, um, Gina Nicole, I think is the name she signed in the email. Um, and uh, she just has a well, a quick question. Let's just play it. <laughs> Hi, Albert and Trev. My name is Gina, and I am an aspiring actress living in the Northern California region. My question is, could you suggest any books on acting that you've read that you might recommend using while taking an advanced acting class? Also, if you could talk a little bit about the differences between stage acting and film acting, that would be greatly appreciated. Thank you both so much for your help, and I look forward to listening in for your response. Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, so we like could, a two-part question. Yeah, we could talk forever about that. I mean, maybe. Uh, I mean, do you have a favorite book, acting book that's been the most influential to you? Um, not one in particular. No. Yeah. I mean, there's so many out there, it, and it also kind of depends on your personal philosophy and whether or not you are focused more on stage or film, like she yeah. just the second part of her question. Um, you know, in uh, episode, uh, what was it, 12, mm-hmm. uh, David Lawrence mentioned uh, Secrets of Screen Acting by Patrick Tucker, which is the uh, person that he also co-hosted the Secrets of Screen Acting podcast with for a while. And he, um, still, he still does. He still does? Yeah. yeah, it's a pay podcast, though. You have to pay for it. But. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then there's uh, a really great one, actually two really great ones by Michael Caine, uh, who I just love oh, as, yeah, as yeah. an actor and he's just got a great couple of books. David mentioned those as well. Um, he, I think he does. Yeah. yeah. In that, in, in that same interview. So go back and listen to episode 12 if you haven't yet. Then depending on your personal philosophy, like I said, David Mamet is always a really great, he's got that, that handbook for actors uh-huh. that he wrote and you know, there's a lot of different opinions on David Mamet. A lot of people think he's a misogynist, you know, yeah. which he probably is, but, uh, <laughs> he, he, you know, his, his acting philosophy is really interesting. Cause he talks about just say the lines. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I wrote it. It's cool. Just say what, just say what they're, what's yeah. His whole thing is that it's, it's in the script. You don't have to embellish on it. Right. You know, like say the words and the story will start kind of fall into place. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah those I mean, are good. Uh, true or false. Isn't that another David Mamet book? Yes. It's very kind of controversial. Um, because there's people on both sides of his argument that are very passionate about it. Right. Uh, right. One book that I've read, in fact, the book that I've read that really changed things for me in terms of the way I think about acting uh, was a book called How to Stop Acting by Harold Guskin. Mm-hmm. That's, and, a, that's uh, a good one. Yeah, we'll drop all this stuff into the good stuff section on the website. But mm-hmm. that that book just completely 
up until that point, I think as an actor, I was about, I was the majority of my work was, was emulating emotion and, and doing what I thought was acting, you know, and not, not letting things happen to me, but actually pushing mm-hmm. rather than just being open and mm-hmm. accessible. Right. And that book just completely changed the way I think about it. And he, he's a, he's very much a stage actor, mm-hmm. um, Harold Guskin. And he works really closely with Kevin Klein and mm-hmm. I think Glenn Close and a couple other people. Um, but all his stuff you can apply to film. He worked with, uh, Aliyah before she died in that plane crash. Um, and he's, he's really well respected and really well known. And, and his book is very, very good read. So, uh, I would recommend checking that one out as, as well as all the others. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, two more that I'll mention, uh, the intent to live by Larry Moss. Larry Moss is, uh, yeah, I've read parts of that. That's a long book. It is a long book. <laughs> it's a long book, but it's very specific and that's why. And that's it what is. I like about it too. It's very, very specific. It's a big, it's a big, thick book. So, yeah. um, be prepared for that. Um, but he coached, um, he's coached tons of Leo, tons of people. Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio uh-huh. and Hillary Swank. So like, I mean, you know, in their, in their like performances that won them Oscars. So, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then anything by Uta Hagen mm-hmm. period. Yeah. Anything, anything, but she has two major books out, but like anything by Uta Hagen, like read, yeah. read those. They're great. Yeah. Um, and then the difference between screen and film, I mean, we could, yeah, that's a, that's a big question. Film acting and theater. I mean, it's going to sound like a cliched answer, but the short version of that answer I think is, is screen acting is small. Stage acting is big. That is the short answer. Um, that's the short answer that everybody will tell you, but Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot more to it than that. Mm I, I've been focused on, uh, a lot of things that I've been hearing about lately is like when you're on screen. Uh, so much comes to your eyes and, and whatnot. And because you can't, because you don't have, you, 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 you can't be as expressive because the f- camera frame is so much smaller than a stage, you know, uh-huh. than the proscenium. Yeah. And when you're on stage, the proscenium is your, is your frame, you know, mm-hmm. um, all that stuff that you do physically, um, internalizing that and thinking it is what I've been trying to focus on lately when I'm going for my commercial auditions or television auditions is if you just think constantly, think, 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 think that comes through your eyes. It comes through your, your fit, your, your body, your yeah. body. You know, yeah. if you're just thinking something, you, you have to have subtext. It's almost like you should have, you should always have subtext, whether state it's stage or film, but it's almost a necessity when you're on film is to have that subtext and make sure that every single line has some kind of subtext yeah. and have a little secret, you know, yeah. that you have in every single line. It, it really depends on the space you're in also like stage acting, you know, people say big or small, um, you know, act with your body versus acting with just your face or, or something mm-hmm. like that. But, you know, like we work in a theater that's a, it's a proscenium stage and it seats about 70 people. And it's more or less a black box. Yeah. And then there, there are stages like the Mark Taper Forum, which is a thrust stage, and it seats 700 people. Really, it's just using your intuition as to what you feel is being communicated and really trusting your director. Uh, I, I, I mean, we could talk forever. Yeah, I know. This subject. is a huge question. Um, so, Gina, I hope we you know answered both parts of your question uh, somewhat sufficiently. Yeah. Well, um, check out those books talk a lot about this kind of stuff, too. Yeah, so. definitely. And if you, you know, if you want us to be more specific, just submit another question we'd love to we'd love to hear it so we've got a fantastic fantastic interview for you guys part one in this episode part two in the next episode with bonnie gillespie who is a casting director who casts mostly independent uh stuff independent films um she doesn't really like doing commercials she said so in the (laughs) she says so in the interview uh you'll kind of get to know her in the interview so i won't talk about it, it too much you can follow her on twitter at bonnie gillespie 
and we'll have all those links on our website. Yeah. So, um, anything you want to add to that? Nope. It's an awesome interview. And, um, I mean, let's just let it speak for itself. Definitely. <laughs> all right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are sitting here with Bonnie Gillespie, uh, casting director in Los Angeles. Bonnie, thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Sure. Um, we're very excited to sit down with you because not only do you have a really great kind of reputation um, all over the internet, but also all over the industry. So um, I've heard a lot of great things about you through friends from the Cricket Feet Showcase and uh, a lot of different projects that you've casted them in. So um we want to kind of start at the beginning because I saw on your IMDb page that you also have some acting credits. So, how did very you get... little ones? Yes, a few. A few yeah. <laughs> so, where? Like, I guess where are you from? Are I'm you... from Atlanta. You're from Atlanta. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought I heard a little bit of the, oh, yeah. the Southern drawl there. Yeah. yeah. Now that I'm not an actor, I don't have to suppress that. I could say y'all. <laughs> right. Right. And uh, so you're from Atlanta, and what brought mm-hmm. you out to LA? I wanted to have very big success as an actor. And so, uh, in minor markets, there's only so far you can go. And I I felt like I had gone to where I wanted to there and needed to get out here and give it a go. Mm -hmm. And I got here just in time for the Northridge earthquake. Oh, that was back in 94. Yeah. Yeah. I moved out here in 93 and had been here just a few months and then the earthquake hit and I said, wow, you know, what looks really good now. Grad school. (laughs) So (laughs) I packed up everything that didn't break and moved back across the country and, uh, and went back to school because I was like, well, that's not going to work. Uh, UGA. College of Journalism. Oh, journalism. And, yeah, which turned out to be great because my survival job when I moved back to L.A. in 98 was uh, working at Backstage West as a columnist. Oh, so, I didn't know that That's either. how I got into casting. I interviewed wow. 250 casting directors, and a few of them would say, you know, come sit in, be a part of our process, be a fly on the wall. And I was like, not only will this be great from the journalist point of view that I get to watch what they're doing, yeah. uh, but it really demystified the process for me as an actor but then I found I wasn't doing as much acting as I wanted to. I was doing more writing and more sitting in with casting directors. And then when one of them invited me to come work for her on a show for Fox, I said, well, heck, that doesn't suck. I'll do that. <laughs> and that was uh, seven years ago this month. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, so you, what was that Fox show, if you don't mind me asking? Mr. Personality. It was a reality show with the, uh, the guy who... Um, Let's see. The guys were all in masks, so they all looked like uh, Phantom of the Opera Mm -hmm. characters. They were all in different color masks, and the idea was that they would date this woman without her ever being able to see their faces. And then she would eliminate them based on personality until she got down to the number one. It was a horrible show. (laughs) Wait, this is a reality show? Oh, yeah. I think I remember this show, actually. Monica Lewinsky hosted it. I mean, it just was... Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was hideous. But it was great. It paid really well. Does that mean that somewhere in your resume you're allowed to say that you cast Monica Lewinsky? I did not cast Monica Lewinsky. (laughs) I could say I worked in casting on a show in which Monica Lewinsky was cast. That's about as close as I want to get to that. Okay. Well, that's still... That's a pretty... That's a pretty cool thing to be it's telling. All about it's a good story. Interesting yeah. credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's funny. So, so you moved to LA, and you kind of. Fe- so it sounds like you kind of almost fell into the casting thing. It really did. It just it happened so organically, which it, it's interesting because it it was definitely acting that brought me out here. I was like, you know, I had what I call the age twenty eight epiphany. I was sitting around in grad school, going, you know, I don't want to wake up forty wondering what if, and so I sold everything I owned on eBay 
moved back, dropped out of my PhD program. My family was so proud. Um, and got back out here and said, I got to give the acting thing one more shot. And of course, having to have a survival job, uh, that being at Backstage West just turned out to be great. Like, I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better opportunity to connect with the community that I would end up becoming a part of. But I didn't know that at the time. I just was like, cool gig, you know, write about this process that these people go through and help, hopefully help actors do better job when they go in and audition because they get to hear what it is like with that casting director. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it it just one project after the next, they kept asking me to stay back on or come back on for another show. And I had worked for the Sundance Institute, another of my survival jobs when I was an actor. And I knew I really liked low budget independent film. I liked the creative process that the independent filmmakers go through a heck of a lot more than I liked the corporate network mindset of television. Mm. And uh, also I liked the timeline better. I liked the idea of working on a project for several months rather than, you know, each week a new episode of people or that, you know, that kind of environment. And certainly commercials I knew would be too crazy a pace for me to do because it's, you know, you're casting the entire thing in a day. And uh, so I put together my first little resume and said, well, it's kind of like your first little acting resume. It's got your, you know, student film and community theater and all this training. And so mine was, well, I worked on this show for Fox and I worked on this other show for Fox and I interviewed all these casting directors. So if you ask them, they'll tell you I'm smart and could probably do a good job at this <laughs> and, uh, and submitted for a, a crew notice through Backstage West. Actually, a guy was looking for a casting director to cast his $25,000 budget feature film. Wow. And I uh, wrote to him and said, I will cl- I'll cast your movie for five grand. And he said, okay, <laughs> the entire budget is $25,000. We have $100 we can pay you. And I'm like, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> um, you know, having been an actor, I knew the you know, copy credit meals stage of your career where sure. you then work your way up. And I don't work for $100 a movie anymore. But back then, that was, that was a good gig. And I got my first casting credit on IMDb. So cool. my first casting director credit because on the, the shows for Fox, I was casting coordinator. Hmm. So. What's no. the difference? Casting coordinator works under the casting director. Uh-huh. I, I would say for reality TV, a casting coordinator is what in scripted TV would be the casting associate. And so it's just someone who basically filters a bunch of people through so that then the casting director only has to look at the top picks, basically. Gotcha. And also okay. in reality programming, it's also a lot of um, risk management. I had to do tons of like background checks and, you know, we had to get these, these candidates for this dating show, like tested for STDs and we had to like do criminal background investigations. And so I interfaced with the network on doing a lot of that stuff as well as the the services that do these, there, there are these companies that do nothing but check the background and health and mental health of the candidates for reality TV. It's big business. Wow. Oh my god! Yeah, that's crazy. You'd think like when I mean, the show is like the real world, uh-huh. um, where some of those people they must like check the background for mental health, see that they're kind of unstable, and oh, yeah. then cast them because of that. Absolutely true. They go out of their way to find people who just squeak by on whatever oh, level: criminal investigations, credit check, um, mental health, physical health, all that stuff. And they know they know everything. Like whenever somebody comes out with this big scandal, gets kicked off a reality show because of whatever. The network knew, you know, like with, um, oh, on American Idol, there was someone who was kicked off because she had done like, um, she worked for a, a porn company. Oh, or, that's right. You, you I know, remember, remember that. that? It, it was, was a couple seasons ago. Yeah. Yeah. And she had, she had worked, I don't know what it was. Like it was, yeah, an adult escort service or some, some kind of huge scandal. They knew about it and they chose to release the information during sweeps. Wow. 
I mean, so it's it's not that anything would get you disqualified from a show. It's just the kind of information that they want to be sure that they're aware of. So it's risk management, not risk elimination. Wow. And there's fascinating. There's obviously none of that in casting TV and film. Like, episodic? No, episodic, you don't have yeah. to worry about that. And it's cool. just, you know, are you paid up on your union membership? That's you it. Know? Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> really? whether or not, like, do we sense that you're a cool person to work with? Oh, without a doubt. In fact, yeah. that's, that's another question I have, because we, we've talked a little bit about this in the podcast. It seems to be, the more we kind of are out here and learn things, that half the battle, maybe even more than half, is whether or not you're a cool person to work with mm -hmm. and not so much what your audition is like. I think how, so. How would you, like, what is your experience with that? Well, I mean, it's assumed that you're going to have a baseline of talent or else you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be pursuing acting sure. in the Super Bowl. Like, you know, not to mix metaphors, but, I mean, you could you could do an acting career in any minor market and be fine. But because you've chosen to do it in a place like LA, it's assumed that you are awesome, that you have great talent uh, just to get invited into the room. And so we have so many choices, so many actors that are absolutely fantastic and right for it, the right type. Then it becomes, who do you want to spend time with? Cause you're going to be hanging out a lot more than you're going to be actually acting. Yeah. And so it's, it really is, especially on the low budget independent projects, which is where that's my area of expertise. My, where I, it's where I specialize to have these people who are fun to hang out with and spend time on a set with, it helps the day go faster. It helps when there are budget problems because you know, you're never stressed about anything having to do with the people. And so, yeah, a lot of times it comes down to, we've got our top two choices and a director looks at me and says, well, who's the diva? And so, wow. so the wow. risk management now is to tell them who's going to possibly cost them time and therefore money on a set because they won't come out of their trailer versus the one who's like, oh yeah, she'll even pick up that cable and move it from point A to point B, even though that's not in her contract to do because she knows, you know, like we're all chipping in. Uh-huh. Yeah. So are there, are there certain red flags that then... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, how do, you, how do you know if if you... Like, what is your relationship with those actors? How do you know with, when you get asked that diva question? Yeah. You know? Well, a couple, couple ways. One is past history. You know, obviously, if it's someone I've cast before or someone that I've worked with in some capacity and I have, you know, personal experience or got a report from a set, you know, after I put this person on it and then later I hear back from the director and he's like, never again. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a note of that. That's definitely someone that I want to steer future directors away from. Possibly, or that could have just been a, you know, at least make them aware of it because it could have just been a personality conflict, which wouldn't come up on the next set. But I need to at least make them aware that that was an issue at one time. Sometimes it's um, what happens in the, the uh, waiting room before an audition. So I always have folks out there who are helping me with a diva report. Hmm. Wow, and really? So, oh, yeah, sure. That's great. Yeah, because it, like on lunch break or whatever, when we're going through and discussing, well, who have we seen so far? And the director says, well, I'm crazy about this one, or I love this guy. Tell me about him. And then I can ask whoever was out there signing people in, if it's an intern or if my husband or whoever was helping out, and I can say, all right, where's the diva report? And they'll say, okay, this guy was so nice. And then they can say, and this guy was so not nice. And we ask for examples of what's going on, and they just they spill it. That is Amazing. That's well, great. there there are stories <laughs> of like with especially like ad agencies. There are clients mm. who will come out and sit in the lobby as if they're actors auditioning and waiting, just to observe because they don't care as much about what's going on in the room as they may care about what's going on in the room where you don't think you're being judged. So there's a spy sometimes, in the waiting room. Sometimes I've never done that. That's like, amazing. I've never that done that, cool. but I know yeah. I know a couple casting directors who absolutely encourage that sort of thing. And and I figure you know. 
why not? Especially, oh, if you're casting kids, you need to know what the family's like. Because, sure. you know, oh, a parent. A psycho mom. Because a parent yeah, has yeah. to be on set, right? right? And so it's like, you need to know what you're inviting onto the set. And yeah. it's not just the kid. Sometimes wow. it can be, yeah. That's so true. Wow. Oh my God, I never <laughs> thought of that. That's really cool. Well, I mean, it, it just echoes a lot of the stuff that we've heard from our other interviewees. Like, yeah. for instance, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is Brian Vermeer. Um, who you, you probably I love from, him. Yeah. yeah, he's a great we guy. We go way back. Yeah. And so in episode three, we interviewed him and he must have said two dozen times, this is a relationship mm-hmm. business, relationship business over and over and over again. And he really drilled it home. And um, it's so true. This just is kind of is the, is the same. What's well, you know, people want to be around good people. You know, you don't want to be around people who suck. So it's yeah. like, and I don't mean in terms of talent. I mean, people who just are unpleasant to be around. No one wants to invest their time like that. Yeah. Yeah. David Lawrence even said that. Remember when he was yeah. talking about? Do just we like? Be, just do we, be cool to do we like? Do we like Trevor Algett? Do we? No. Does anybody know? No. Okay. Remember, you, you had to use the no example. You well, can awesome. use the yes example. <laughs> he, he also said he also gave an example where people did like me. No. <laughs> so I actually cast David in a film six years ago. Six years ago. Mm-hmm. Wait, he was he only came out here. Oh no, he was out here in two thousand four. Yeah. So David, it wasn't when he David first Lawrence got out here. from Heroes or yes. da- yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool. yeah. Oh, 2005. Sorry. Okay. Five years. I got ahead of okay. myself. So I cast right him in he... A New Tomorrow. Yeah. Cool. Very, very low budget independent film. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Micro budget. The... Right on. Right on. Well, one one last question I have because we have some a lot of questions coming in from cool. Twitter. But um, I'm always curious because we've met a few people that are either managers or agents or casting directors or filmmakers or producers who started out as actors. Yeah. And they kind of partway through were like, you know, I think this is my path. Mm-hmm. And they kind of went off into that For path. Sure. So, but they, but they still talk about how much they really enjoy working with actors and enjoy that process. So what's it like for you as a casting director who came from the actor side mm-hmm. of things to, to do this job? I think it, it's, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing for actors. It's a good thing because um, I know what they're going through. I can speak to them in, you know, actories. Um, we have a good shorthand. I love that. <laughs> and uh, so we do have the shorthand, which which is very helpful sometimes, especially for dealing with a, a director who isn't as good at communicating what they need from someone during an audition or something. Um, but it's also bad because I don't put up with a lot of BS. You know, it's if, if an actor no shows an audition, they go on a list and they never get invited back for me. Wow. Because wow. I know how many other actors wanted to come in for that audition. And I just think that it shows great disrespect for the process and what we're trying to do. I know a lot of actors, too, who just flake on their yeah. auditions. Oh, the I'm flake like, factor is huge. How could you do yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. And it's a you, lot. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's, yeah. 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 All you have to do is make a phone call, yeah. too. If it's, if it's something that like you really... There's, if there's a legitimate reason Absolutely. you cannot make it, it's just a phone call. Yeah. You know? I mean, my, how hard is that? My favorite story is one of the first films I was casting. I uh, called in this girl who... Uh, I just had her head shot on file from a play I had seen her and she had done a play with my husband who at the time was my fiance and I had so I'd kept the kit so I had her headshot and I was like oh she's amazing so I called her left a message and said I want to see you for this for this role at this time blah 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 never heard back from her so of course I didn't expect her to show up because she hadn't confirmed that she would even come and what happened was I got home from sessions and had a message on the machine that said uh, it was it was her calling. She said, I've uh, just needed to tell you I was going to try and make it. But I went into labor today. I don't know if you know, I got pregnant since I saw you. Uh, and so and I thought I might be able to make it to the audition. So I, but I didn't want to tell you that I couldn't make it. But I also didn't want to tell you that I was, you know, nine months pregnant in case that.
that would affect my chances. Because of course, by the time you're shooting, I won't be. Anyway, long story short, I went into labor. So I'm not there, obviously, for my audition. But thank you so much for thinking of me. If you'd like to see me next week, I can come on in. And, oh and I'm like, seriously? Wow. This girl called me from labor, basically. Wow. And I'm like, that's so cool. Like, You hear that, everyone? You have no excuse. That's right. that's right. I mean, certainly she had other things on her mind, but she managed to you know, reach out and let me know why she wasn't there. That's really amazing. Yeah. What's also what's cool about that story, too, is that she, you know, I don't know how to put this without sounding ridiculous now, all of a sudden, now that I'm, I've already started the sentence. Um, she, she kind of just... You're, you're a human being, yeah. and she's a human being, yeah. and you guys connected on that level. It's not like these casting directors are these untouchable, scary people that are going to smack you down if you don't do something right. You know? But you know, some some casting directors like it to be like that, and there, there's a weird little power structure in a lot of people, and this this goes back to the probably the bad side of people who were actors who then go into other roles in the industry, and sometimes they have this grudge uh, that they're holding against actors who are more successful than they ever were. And I'm like, I, you know, I don't get that. There are absolutely some people who get into the casting side of things so they can wield power over actors. And they, you know, they're on this power trip and it just seems so strange, you yeah. know, because I'm like, no, we do it because we like populating these stories and we want to get these stories told and get the scripts turned into actual projects, films, things that people get to see and how great to bring together a community of people to work together. Like, I, it's like throwing a party and you just <laughs> invite all your favorite people together. And you're like, what fun. That's cool. You know? But yeah, it's 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 interesting because there there are some folks out there who really like that power structure and like it to feel that casting directors can't be people; they can't be talked to like that, uh, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, no, don't don't let them fool you. That's that's not true. We're all people. I think that's part of why I try to stay so accessible. Um, yeah. You know, and I I've got a friend who's also in casting, and she's been doing it for decades and she's just now starting to get herself up on the social networking sites and she's like I just feel so violated people feel like they know me now and I'm like but how can that be bad you know if for people to feel like they know you because then they're going to hopefully be more comfortable when they come in and audition because they already feel like they get you mm -hmm. that yeah. can't be bad because if our goal is to get them to do their best audition so that we can be done with our job bonus you know they're already comfortable before they walk in they're not walking in going oh how do I read her yeah, yeah. right yeah now, you uh -huh. mentioned, you said, this is a great segue into one of our first questions, because cool. you mentioned, you said it's like throwing a party and inviting yeah. all your favorite people. Yeah. So how, one of our questions was, how how effective are postcards for you? Yeah, we... How, how do people, what, what's the best way for people to keep in touch with you? Because there's so many different angles to the postcard thing and the Twitter I like, thing. We yeah. sort of started a, a, a mini controversy on oh, the podcast cool. um, because of uh, differing opinions on postcards and thank you cards and that kind of thing. Okay. So it's been one of the questions that we've asked a lot of people. Um, and being that you're our first guest who's a casting director, mm -hmm. um, We'd love to hear you sort of, yeah, sort of talk about what your feeling is on that kind of thing. I love postcards just because they're they're quick, they're easy, they don't cost as much for you guys to have to mail out, um, and I can if I do want to keep them, I can keep them in a shoebox, so there's not as as large a storage issue. Whereas if I don't know you and you mail me a headshot and resume, even if your cover letter is really nice, and even if you're like I just want to highlight this, this, and this, if I don't know your work, I'm not going to keep your headshot and resume unless you have something so specific that I don't already have in my files. But at this point, you know, I've seen 10,000 actors. You know, I know the work of enough people who can do pretty much everything and who cover almost every type there could be that it would take you having something really amazing to knock mm -hmm. someone out of my files. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, I'm going to keep the, the headshots of all the people whose work I know. Well, until now, I'm actually going 
paperless in my office right now, which is a, a huge undertaking. And I have 10 interns wow. working with me on it, which is ridiculous, but so much fun. We're going to a wiki-based uh, database that uh, has everybody's information there. So yeah, I saw I you talking about that on Twitter yeah. a little bit. I, I I'm a big like, geek. I was like, Wiki, what? What is she talking well, you about? You know, you know Wikipedia. So you know the the format. No, I mean, I I, I assumed it had something mm-hmm. to do with that, but I I wanted to. I'm glad you brought it up because I want I want to hear about the nuts and bolts. Oh, it's of awesome! It, you know? it's it's awesome! It's a, a, a MySQL database. Uh, I, I, the PhD I was getting that I dropped out on was in instructional technology. So you'll have to excuse me if I geek out a little bit. Um, you're in the right place. So, um, actually, yeah, Keith designed it. Uh, my husband, who's a bigger tech geek than I am, uh, created this, uh, database using some, some free, uh, shareware wiki software that, uh, that runs off one of our servers. And we just enter every actor who's already in my database on paper into that and con- you know put all of their contact information any of my notes from any audition they ever ever had with me so awesome. what role they came in for and then a link to their IMDb page because that way I can keep up with where their current rep is or what their current picture is because in the end is it worth my hanging on to a headshot from an audition 4 years ago if you've you know changed your hair or changed your look completely your weight has changed whatever yeah. you've aged out of this now suddenly this picture was a great reminder of where you were back when I met you but it's far more valuable for me to be able to just click through and see where you're. And then I can do it for my iPhone. I can be in a casting session and make notes about you instead of on your resume on the wiki page. Because it's a you know, double click to edit and I can just do it for my iPhone. That's hey, great. How, how did your audition go? Oh, the casting director was texting the whole time. So I don't <laughs> right. think they That's what you may think. But I was actually writing my notes. If into you my go wiki. into audition for Bonnie, she's yep. not texting. She's taking notes about how good you were. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so you got is, it. Is there, I mean, with all these actors and, this, that, and all this stuff, is there a saturation point for you? You know, there could be, except that things change so quickly that I, that I, I guess I never feel that way because I, I keep seeing that, uh, you know, even if somebody is like, okay, I have so much of that and I get it. It's, I, I guess I don't ever really feel that way because I just see everything is such a, an adventure in this job I've chosen, you know, and it's just, I, I, the process of discovery is so exciting for me. And even if I am having one of those days where I'm just like, ugh. 3,000 of this. Got it. It uh-huh. doesn't feel that way for more than a moment because someone will come in and do amazing work or someone will send me a postcard at the exact moment that I need somebody like that. And they'll say, oh, I'm going to do the show. You know, if you want uh, industry comps available at this number, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, perfect. This is exactly something I need at this time. So yeah, even if most of the time stuff that's coming across, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because there can be that moment of, yes, this is exactly what I need right now. Um, I don't think you can ever get too jaded mm-hmm. by the saturation of it all i hope cool. i don't cool. know i mean i've only been doing it seven years we'll see when it's you know 50 sure <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've just always wondered that because i mean there are so many actors mm-hmm. in la and they're yeah. all trying to kind of outwit the next person as to how to best get in front of the person that they want to work with and it's just got to be sometimes i mean i saw you have a great quote on your email signature yeah. which says if i had known i was going to be this popular i would have started casting in, in high, high school, school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is like so great yeah <clears throat> but like it must be I, I i imagine um that it must be overwhelming at times it can be and i would imagine for people who do a lot more casting than i do it's got to be ridiculously overwhelming i mean mm. i do low budget independent films i may do six a year you know and then a couple little favor projects you know uh like i cast a couple of industrials for yahoo last year i cast a couple of spec ads for the obama campaign you know like i'll do little projects that aren't exactly where my specialty is 
just because it's, it turns out that it's a director who has hired me for a film. And he's like, well, rather than go to a commercial person, let me just hire you because we have shorthand. You know, so I'll do some projects that are a little different. Or, or last year I cast a, a company, a sketch company, you know, so for, for live oh, sketch shows, you know, so things that aren't necessarily what I'm known for, but I'll try to do some of those things. If I were someone who like worked at UDK or FMW or one of the big TV casting houses and I was working on, you know, six or eight different TV shows and constantly looking for eight to 20 guest stars a week, I cannot imagine how overwhelmed I might feel. So, I mean, the, the way my area of expertise has sort of helped me is because it, it gives me a lot of breathing room. Yeah, so right. I, I don't ever feel overwhelmed by the task of, of casting, even though I, yes, like I said in the quote, it, it certainly made me a very popular person <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, every actor wants to be my friend, which is great. It's a good thing. I love actors, you know? So yeah, I, I certainly don't have a problem with that, but it's, uh, I, I can, I can only imagine if I were doing something like, you know, casting 24. Right. Are you kidding? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Stay tuned for uh, part two of uh, Bonnie's interview, um, which will be uh, going live uh, later this week. Welcome back. So if you submitted a question to us while we were interviewing Bonnie, because we put it out on Twitter and Facebook that we were interviewing her and we got um, several questions and uh, chances are she answers those in part two. So just uh, stay tuned for episode 15 and, and your question will likely be answered in that episode. Cool. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, hit up insideactingpodcast.com. There's a million ways to... to um talk to us yes uh, uh, you can send us an email inside acting podcast at gmail.com you can leave us a comment on the website you can follow us on twitter follow us on twitter i'm at twitter.com slash digital actor i'm twitter.com slash trevor algot you can leave us a review on itunes you can tell your friends <laughs> and of course we have our voicemail two one oh i forget the number now two one two two actors but what's the no it's two one three one two one three one two one three two actors i'm thinking yes. new york style <laughs> um, one two one three two actors or one two one three two 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 eight six seven seven awesome leave us a voicemail there and obviously we play them on the podcast yeah we and really uh, and last but not least if you guys get something out of this podcast um it would be amazing if you could uh just support us financially with a donation if you head over to insideactingpodcast.com on the right hand side there's a donate button and all your donations are tax deductible if you're a performer and 100 percent secure processed through paypal no amount is too small. Every dollar or penny, rather, that you guys contribute goes towards helping us cover production costs, which includes gas to and from the interviews, gas to and from doing these recordings, new equipment, making the podcast better, hosting fees, all sorts of stuff. So if you can help out, that'd be great. Yes. Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> all right. So that wraps it up for episode 14. We'll see you guys in a few days on episode 15. My name is Trevor Algott, signing off. I'm Albert Meyer. See you guys later.